Today on CityCast Chicago, why are critics opposed to the latest draft for the school board map? What are your Chicago red flags? And now that spring is actually sprung, which is better? Rooftops or patios? Lead producer Simone Ali Say is here with me to break it all down. It's Tuesday, May 23rd. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is what Chicago is talking about. Good morning, Simone. Welcome back to the mic. Hey, Jacoby. How are you? I am doing well. Uh, Over the weekend, I saw a lot of stories about this elected school board map, which I know that the spring session is technically over, but this is one of the things that lawmakers really have to deal with before their deadline is up before July. But I'm not in CPS. I ain't got no kids in CPS. It is something that's easy to glaze over. So I needed you to come in and explain why is this such a big deal right now? Yeah. So, I mean, even if you are not a CPS parent um, or you're not uh, associated with CPS, this is something you will vote on in November 2024. So if you're a voter in Chicago, this will affect you. Um, So kind of just to, to go back and remind people, what is this elected school board and what are we talking about here in Springfield? You know, for decades and decades, Chicago schools have basically been run by the mayor. The mayor appoints the CPS CEO. The mayor appoints members of the Chicago Board of Education. And any of these like big strategic policy decisions affecting CPS come from the mayor. So when we think about closing 50 schools in 2013, Mm -hmm. that is a decision that fell on the shoulders of Mayor Rahm Emanuel. Uh, We think about the proliferation of charter schools. That is a decision that has been uh, pushed by or at least uh, signed off by Chicago mayors. And it's like the school board is kind of just rubber stamped those because I remember when you, we look at the, the 50 schools closed, for example, the school board voted unanimously to move forward with that proposal. But as you're saying, that's something that was really defined and anchored by the choices of the Emanuel administration. Right. And I think, you know, again, because those are appointed positions, the mayor is their boss, uh, essentially. And so in 2021, uh, Governor Pritzker signed a law that created for the first time an elected school board in Chicago, which means that we, the voters, will actually get to choose who sits on that board, who will have more of a say in what is the direction of CPS, what is policy. Um, And each of those school board members are going to represent, you know, a smaller voting district. So they're supposed to be more accountable to those neighborhoods and to those schools in those neighborhoods, providing, you know, a little bit more direct interaction of, uh, you know, what is the future of CPS as a whole, as opposed to just like our local school councils where you might only be concerned with your your neighborhood or just your own school. So it's it's supposed to bring, you know, uh, more transparency to CPS as a whole and more participation. Um, There are a lot of dates and numbers when it comes to the school board. (laughs) (laughs) Right, because we're not immediately picking all 21 of these people out the gate next November. Yeah, exactly. So in November 2024, Chicago voters will select 10 of the 21 members. The other Mm -hmm. 11 members are going to be appointed by now Mayor Brandon Johnson. And so what is sort of at play right now is the creation of these voting districts. um, And what is that map going to look like, that voting map going to look like 
And there's been a lot of criticisms over what that map looks like and what it means for representation. And so what are some of those big issues that people are pushing back on? Because like we said, people have been wanting an elected school board. They've wanted to have more say, more control over how decisions are being made. But now that that process is moving forward, people are being like, hold on, hold on, wait, why? First of all, there's sort of a, a general process issue. Um, you know, parents and other advocates have criticized lawmakers for, you know, dropping a new draft of the map at like 1030 at night on, a, you know, before before it was up for discussion uh, the next day. Because that's what parents want to do at 1030 before sending their kids to school. Read right. about a map. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and so there's sort of issues around that. And we've seen that, you know, that comes up a lot uh, when we're talking about legislation like this. And I think is is a pretty familiar story to most of us. But specifically, as it relates to kind of issues of representation and kind of what the actual makeup of this map is, you know, as with every map of Chicago, we got to talk about race and we got to talk about segregation. As we all know, Chicago as a whole Roughly, you have is about thirty three percent white, twenty nine percent Latino, and twenty nine percent black, right? Um, but at issue here is CPS's population skews much more Latino and black. CPS's population is almost forty seven percent Latino and thirty six percent black, right? And and just eleven percent mm-hmm. white students. And so lawmakers have this sort of conundrum where you're creating a voting map which is based on people who vote, the voting age population, but you're creating it to represent kids in school whose population doesn't necessarily reflect what the voting population looks like. And so advocates are sort of understandably trying to bridge that gap and say, look, we need to make sure we have enough Latino districts, we need to have enough Black districts um, to represent the, the kids who are actually in CPS. The the current, the most recent draft that was put out has seven majority Black districts, five majority Latino districts, plus two more um, sort of that lean Latino plurality districts, and then five majority white plus one uh, that leans white, a plurality white district. And the sort of overwhelming criticism has been these districts and voters are going to need more Latino representation. Yeah, this doesn't make sense if we're looking at who are the people who actually attend CPS. I mean, I could see why people like really tune out when we're looking at these specific conversations, because we we had this conversation during the election. Your police district is different than your ward, which mm-hmm. looks different than maybe like what your congressional or like who is your state representative. And so what are, what are those, what does that district look like for your neighborhood? Now, what does your school district look like? Just so many different representatives covering your area and trying to figure out who is in charge it can be really overwhelming for voters as we move. But I saw someone say, well, in one district, it might cut across seven different wards in Chicago. And that creates more of a headache when you're trying to bring all of the different lawmakers, all of the different advocates and people who have um, have a stake in this to the table at the same time. Right. And so that gets to like sort of the third uh, kind of issue, which is always an issue when we're talking about maps is in addition to sort of does it represent overall the CPS population and who is invested in CPS, you know, does each district actually make sense as a district? Does it does it cut across neighborhoods in weird ways that it maybe shouldn't? Um, I'll also say, like, having a 21-person school board 
is really big. It's going to be the biggest in the country, the biggest elected school board. And for a while, it's going to be hybrid of half appointed, you know, half uh, elected. So while they continue to roll out these sessions, we know at the least July 1st is their deadline. And I guess time will tell if they make it or not. Yeah, that's when they're supposed to finalize the map. So we'll see. Last week, we talked with Chima Naira Okoro, who did those popular TikToks about Chicago red flags. You can see it now on the CityCast Chicago Instagram. Uh, but we wanted to know yours. And of course, you told us. Hi, my name is Cynthia. I'm from Lincoln Park. My Chicago red flag is when people misinterpret what neighborhood they're from. Um, when they mention they'll be, say, from Lakeview, and I ask about the cross streets because I'm, I lived in Lakeview. And turns out they live in Buena Park. People really want like intersection fidelity. They're like, especially that Lincoln Park Lakeview. We found that out when we did our neighborhood guys for both of those. People do not like when you get those two mixed up. You know, it's funny because we got a text that from someone that was also about neighborhood stuff. Uh, Anthony texted us and said it's a red flag when people say what neighborhood they live in. Real ones say an intersection. And Anthony lives at uh, Fullerton and Costner, a.k.a. Kelvin Park. Like growing up, I wouldn't have told you what neighborhood I grew up in because I actually didn't know what all of the boundaries were. So like, you know, you you ask people now, they'd be like Chatham, Gresham. I'm not actually sure where I'm at right now. I know I'm in one of them. So growing up, it definitely was all intersections. My grandma stay off 87th and Kregeer. My grandma stay off 87th and Sangamon. My grandma stay off 89th and Damon. That's how we explained where people lived. It wasn't my grandma lives in Calumet Heights. My grandma lived in Gresham. My grandma lived over in Beverly. But now that I'm actually older, I just have a better sense of what the boundaries are. I think a lot of that has to do with uh, the podcast. We spend so much time looking at the neighborhood map that I have a better sense of where things are. So I'm more likely to say like right now, I live in HP or I lived in South Shore. And then when people say where, then it's, you know, I'm on 71st of Cornell. I'm on 51st in Dorchester. Uh, so, so I can respect that. It's not enough for me to make it a pet peeve because it really does depend like your relationship to your city and to your neighborhood. But I do understand that for sure. Uh, and I would like listeners to know that when we do uh, shout out events and things happening, we we spend a lot of time trying to figure out what neighborhood it is exactly. <laughs> There's a lot of cross-referencing of maps going uh -huh. on. And what do people actually say versus what it is? So if we get something wrong, uh, let us know. But uh, we tried. We really tried. I promise. Um, another couple other uh, red flags that I definitely vibed with, some transit red flags. Olivia W. sent us an email saying, when the train car is severely crashed, and people won't take their backpacks off and refusing to take any sort of public transit to either airport. I vibe with this hardcore. I think these are both accurate and true. 100%. That's it. Just full marks across the board. <laughs> I don't know. I'm willing to just sardine it on the train in particular. Like, I really don't want to adjust how I'm like, what I'm wearing or where my things are. Um, yeah, but people who just outwardly refuse to take public transit in general is a red flag for me. Like if you are not willing to hop on the CTA, you know, I, I get people who may not take the bus, for example, uh, just in terms of it's much slower, um, harder to get from like the far South to the far North on just the bus. But if you're just like anti-public transit in the city of Chicago, uh, you trip it. And especially when it comes to the airports, like 
dog, $60 to go to O'Hare. If that's not getting reimbursed to me, I'm getting up earlier and getting on the blue line. It's that simple. I usually, I, I will usually take an Uber to the Jefferson Park blue mm-hmm. line stop and then take the blue line uh, to, to the airport. Like I, I, with public transit, I know right now it's kind of rough because, uh, you know, and the CTA has has issues with reliability and cleanliness. And so uh, there are probably some people out there who have maybe given up on the CTA. But I think if there was any point where you're not going to, I would I would put it to you that the airports are not the place to give up. Um, I know not every uh, single thing in our mailbag this week. It's mail time. I know everything <laughs> wasn't about icks and red flags, but some people responded to our call out about how they thought the Bears was going to do. They came back with a sports prediction. Yeah, Kyle from Bucktown texted us and said, the Bears are going night and eight this season, sneaking into a wild card spot. We'll see a big uptick from fields and a lot of overs hitting with a good offense and bad defense, uh, which... Boy, we love a bold Bears prediction on this podcast, don't we? <laughs> yes, we do. And we're not going to call them out anymore. Uh, but after going 3-14 and 14 last season, 9-8 and eight would actually be an amazing turnaround, breaking 500. And if you remember the playoff standards at the end of last season, 9-8 and eight could squeak you into a wild card spot. You might not actually do anything from there, but hey... I'm not going I'm not going to actually uh, tear this prediction down, mostly because, you know, the Bears strength of schedule isn't terrible. We're not playing that many teams who made the playoffs last year. We smacked the Packers first game of the season at home. Um, I think that might give us just enough of an oomph to to maybe get to nine and eight. I'm not hanging my hat on nine and eight for anything. But, you know, I don't think it's as wild as some of the things we heard last year. (laughs) <laughs> I'm hopeful for you, Bears fans, and uh, I, I, I'm devoted to my my hometown team, the Seahawks. Yeah, the Seahawks was nine and eight last year yes. and snuck into the playoffs, and so it's possible. All right, so now that we've heard some of your Chicago icks and uh, one of your sports predictions, we're going to pose another debate that we need to hear uh, from our CityCast listeners about, and that's as we move into this beautiful weather season. Where's your favorite place for, for outdoor dining? Do you prefer a rooftop or a patio? We're going to get the debate kicked off. Simone, I need to know, uh, what's your preference? You you taking your people out to a little patio in your neighborhood? Or, you know, you're going you gonna to get a little baller and head to one of Chicago's beautiful rooftops. Patios. All day. It's got to be patios. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's got to be, but I, I'm ready to listen, I suppose. <laughs> okay. Patio, just for me, it's all about accessibility and and sort of ease of getting there, right? With rooftops, mm-hmm. all, you know, all the best ones, for the most part, you got to make a reservation. You got to know where to go. Uh, and patios are sort of, you could, they're so varied and diverse. And there are so many across Chicago's neighborhoods too, right? It, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what neighborhood you're in, you've probably got a spot with a patio not too far. And so if you're just trying to meet up with friends after work or you are have a have a, you know, a brunch that is, uh, you know, last minute, which all my plans are last minute. I am never making plans mm-hmm. in advance. So for me, it's all about patios uh, uh, all day. I feel you, but I'm gonna have to disagree. I do love a good accessible patio. 
But honestly, I feel like the definition of patio is so expansive, especially now. Exactly. People have just set up, people have just like set up a, a, a little heater, thrown up a mosquito tent, and they're like, now go out to our patio. But the whole time I'm like, I'm sitting adjacent to the alley and it smells like trash the whole time. And so for me, despite them being less accessible, more of a headache, I'm gonna have to go with rooftops. One, better views. You're, you're more than likely away from the street, the alleys, and the trash. I also think there's a little bit more effort present on the presentation because it's a rooftop. I think on the rooftop, people just spend a little bit more time with the ambiance. It doesn't feel as thrown together. Um, I also, you know, rooftops make me feel like I got to maybe put in just a little bit uh, of, you know, dress up a little bit, invite the friends through because I'm going to spend some money. I really want to make it a uh, an activity, make it a day. Whereas a patio, you could just like pull up on the patio and, you know, and again, I love that accessibility. But if I'm trying to really get out, enjoy the sun a little bit, kind of make it feel like I, I've earned this like six month hiatus, the rooftop makes me feel like I'm I'm really reintroducing myself to summertime shot uh, in a way that I that I like. Also, you know, the patios be open during the winter sometimes. So it's like, they not, they wasn't gone. They was right there. Rooftops, they be yeah. like, we out. It's like, you got to reintroduce the, the season for it. I, I totally agree that rooftops definitely say summertime shy more, but this is just goes to a fundamental difference between you and me, Jacoby, which is I never want to make an effort <laughs> ever, anytime, period. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I I feel ridiculous booking London House like a month out because I ain't I, you know people <laughs> yes. think I'm plugged. I'm not that plugged. I, it sucks to have to book something out, but I'm looking forward to it now. Right? I know that I, I I'm gonna take advantage of it. I'm gonna make a day of it. I'm probably gonna go to a museum. It's it just I, I because of it. There's so much more anticipation involved. What are the rooftops uh, that you want to recommend to to convince me that it's worth the book? So I just said London House. I think, you know, if you, uh, we'll drop a link in the show notes. Our newsletter editor, Sydney Madden, has put together a great list of sort of best alfresco dining spots, outdoors, patios, rooftops. And one that just constantly comes up for best views, I just mentioned it, was London House. Like I said, very exclusive, the 22nd floor of the London House, Chicago, in the loop. And as you said, most of the best ones are concentrated to the loop. So yeah, when you say the good view, because I've been on a couple rooftops that like, I feel like it's like, oh, it's got a great view. But really, it's just like you're up high and you're downtown and there are buildings. Like what makes a good view? I think a good view needs a little bit of motion, right? Mm. So it isn't just like the... Uh, the buildings you see, but I also like to be able to see like boats moving up and down the river. I like to see a little bit of foot traffic. Um, and so another good one, which is also down in the loop is Cindy's, which is across from Millennium Park. Um, and so you just, you get the motion of, you can see out on the lake, you can see people moving through the park, you can see the cars going. There are a few spread out between like, you can find some in Wicker Park, you can find some in Pilsen. Um, there are a few on the south side. There's the Woodlawn off of East 79th Street that is like a, an event space, a cafe, a restaurant. Uh, and then there's one a little bit closer towards 109th and Western at the Open Outcry Brewing Company. Um, and again, these are, you know, you're not going to get your your skyscraper views, um, but they have some nice tree lines, uh, you, you know, very open air, uh, get you a good beer, uh, take in what this weekend was just a, a cloudless blue sky. Um, so so there are a few spread around the city. You got to do a little bit of hunting, a little bit of digging, make sure you get your reservations in. Uh, but there's some good ones around the city. Simone, do you got any patios? Because, uh, you know, you don't like to put in the effort in your neighborhood. 
and walking distance to you. <laughs> yes. Walking distance. Everything is within walking distance. That's all I want in life. I will say, <laughs> uh, you know, if you do want a more sort of upscale patio experience, the River Walk is a great place to check out. Lots of restaurants along there with uh, just beautiful views and and really nice to be by the water. But in my neighborhood, uh, I have a special place in my heart always for the Big Chicks patio. Great for brunch. Uh, you know, easy weight. Uh, and it is not the most scenic uh, patio, but it is mm-hmm. the closest and they have excellent food and excellent drinks. So high marks on my end. And they also actually have a back patio, uh, which a lot of people don't know okay. about. Uh, Big Chicks does. Similarly, I just learned uh, another neighborhood, another neighborhood spot, Larry's on Lawrence, which is a cocktail bar that's sort of inside a uh, an apartment building. Um, mm. uh, they also have a secret back patio where they do summer movies. Um, and this, I was actually there uh, not that long ago and I was talking to the bartender and he was telling me about this patio and the movie series that they're doing this summer. It's all dog movies. Okay. Uh, he was like, yeah, it's kind of like the best kept secret in the neighborhood. So don't tell anybody. And I was like, going to talk about this on the podcast. Not going <laughs> to lie. I'm going to let everybody know. <laughs> don't do gatekeeping around here. It's not what I like. Uh, A couple of other honorable mentions, too. I really like the Parsons patios, both in uh, Westtown and in Andersonville. It's just this great spot that you can, like, spend a lot of time. Like, you could spend all day Mm -hmm. out there with friends. You know, they've got the Negroni slushy, which is a great kind of summer offering. Uh, It's a a little unusual. Um, And then the last one I will plug is um, for that year-round alfresco feeling, uh, Pilsen Yards uh, has that covered patio. I do like Pilsen Yards. Pilsen Yards, what a what a wonderful spot. We've talked about it on the show before, but I took my my grandmother and my uncle to Pilsen Yards and for the first time and and sat in the patio on a day that was like raining, like it was really 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 raining, and mm-hmm. it was totally comfortable. It was wonderful and uh, had some really excellent fish uh, that was really really good. Um, but like I said, the beautiful thing about patios is they're in all of our neighborhoods. So if you have a, a favorite patio or a rooftop, if you roll that way, uh, <laughs> please let us know. We've got a poll, uh, a link to a poll in our show notes where you can tell us. Or, of course, you can always text us, leave us a voicemail at 773-780-0246. I want to give another thank you to our lead producer, Samal Alisea, for helping me talk about uh, the school board map, the difference between patios and rooftops, and also a shout out to all of our CityCast readers and listeners who reach out every time we've got a question uh, and want to know your your answers to it. Uh, Simone, it's always fun kicking it with you. Had a great time. Thanks. Before I let you go, I got some good news. I'm hosting the Chicago Readers Best of Chicago Party Thursday, June 1st at Metro and Lakeview. Put it on your calendar now. Thursday, June 1st, 7 p.m., we in the building. Tickets are available now. You can check the show notes for a link. Uh, If you're not familiar, this podcast has been named the best in Chicago by the reader and the voters for the last two years in a row, so I'm very excited to host. You can learn more about this event tomorrow at 4 p.m. by joining me on the Chicago Reader's Instagram Live. 
In the meantime, in between time, get the latest in news and events by signing up for our daily newsletter, Hey Chicago, at chicago.citycast.fm. And let us hear your voice in the great patio versus rooftop debate by leaving us a text or voicemail at 773-780-0246. I'm here bright and early tomorrow morning. I will talk to you then. Peace. <laughs> I wanted to say something too.